Hey, will y'all give a round of applause to the worship team? And uh, as Oscar mentioned and celebrated earlier, congratulations, Cynthia, uh, who, is, who is pregnant, soon to be a mother of her second child. Uh, that's exciting, exciting stuff. And once again, we want to say how grateful we are to you, mothers. And uh, I want to say particularly how grateful I am to you, uh, mothers, because I think, I think, and this, this might be a controversial statement, but I think mothering today is more complicated than it's been in recent generations. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it used to be you have like your family passes down wisdom about mothering and motherhood, and that's kind of like what you go with. But now with the internet and the, the amount of articles and information and choices out there, it, it, it can be overwhelming. And there's always pressure as a mom to like make the perfect choice. And, and that's a lot of pressure on moms. I mean, recently I was at a grocery store when I was out of town, a Harris Teeter. It was so nice. They had 37 different kinds of string cheese at the grocery store, right? Like there's just unlimited choices nowadays. And not only is there unlimited choices... But, but it used to be like you compared yourself to the people in your family and the people you saw on a daily basis like in your town. But now with the internet, it's like moms are, there's this pressure of comparison to all sorts of people you've never met. And then people you don't even know comment on you and your parenting and your life, all, all this kind of stuff. Like the pressure as a mother today has been cranked up a notch. And then there's that voice that's always whispering just in the corner, hey, do you want your family to be safe? Do you want your family to be happy? Do you want your family to be fulfilled? If so, then just buy this product and everything will be better. This voice of advertisers is constantly in our ears, particularly mother's ears on Facebook and on Instagram and all sorts of different things. And I know this because our, our church has a Facebook account where we can do ads and you can micro-target ads to any category you can imagine. And so that's what moms face, not just like general advertisements, but specific ones. You can, you can target crunchy moms. You can target conservative moms. You can target moms who like soup, moms who are ready to move, moms who have a good relationship with their spouse. Like you can micro-target everything. And so constantly the advertisers are saying, hey, just buy this and you'll be happy. Just buy this and you'll be fulfilled. Just buy this and everything will be better. And there is just a lot of pressure. And it's not just on moms. I mean, as a, as a new dad, I get so many ads. And Emily will tell you, like, I am a lot more susceptible to ads than she is. Like in my inbox this week, I looked and it was like five products to make your life as a dad easier. And, you know, I opened that and I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to buy after a long night, you know. Or it was like, hey, you've had a long day. Treat yourself. And then they're selling you something. And so what we do is we, we accumulate this stuff, we buy this stuff, I do that, and my, my guess is over time that you've been tempted to do that as well. I mean, just think about right now, what is at the top of your wish list, like your Amazon wish list, or maybe it's too big for Amazon. Think about it. Okay, maybe it's an RV, maybe it's new hardwoods, maybe it's a new iPhone. What, somebody shout out, what is your item? A RAV4. Okay, you know, a RAV4. Like we all have this stuff in our lives that we want, that we, we dream about. And my guess is that when you think about what's on your wish list right now, like what you would love to have, 
it's probably for the majority of us in this room, it's not something you need, but it's something you want. It's something you want, and there's this subtle feeling, and maybe you wouldn't put it this way in words, but there's this subtle feeling that we get from advertising and we have inside of ourselves that if we got that, then it would be enough, right? Then we would feel satisfied or maybe happy for a day, or maybe we'd be a little happier for a moment. This is the world we live in. These are the promises that we're constantly bombarded with as mothers, fathers, just people living in our culture. And and this morning, I I wonder though, what if all of this stuff in our lives isn't leading to contentment? What if it's actually leading in the opposite direction? What if instead of leading to, to more peace, more free time, more flexibility, like all these products offer us, what if instead a lot of the stuff we have in our lives is leading us to more stress, more worry, more anxiety, to, to being more in a hurry and constantly feeling like we're on the go. Those are the questions I want to look at this morning as we, as we continue in this sermon series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, where we've been looking at the life of Jesus and his practices and how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises us, a life of rest in him, a life of peace, a life of joy, uh, a life of contentment. And I know not everybody in this room would agree with this, but I think most people would. Most of us in here would say that we think Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever walk this earth. And, and a lot of people, whether they call themselves believers in Jesus Christ, would, would say the same thing. They think he's a, he's a great teacher. But, but as people who have faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that, that he is God with us. When he walked this world, so he, he had unlimited wisdom. He had unlimited knowledge. He knew how things worked because Jesus created this world. And so when Jesus talks about stuff, money, possessions, all those types of things, I mean, like he is someone we would say knows what he's talking about. And Jesus talked about a lot of this stuff. It was actually a very common topic in his teachings. And sometimes we don't want to slow down and look at him or we kind of breeze past him. But I mean, Jesus has a lot of wisdom when it comes to practically living our lives. Like, like, like this phrase that Paul tells us in Acts that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? How many of you have found that true in your life? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Here, here, Jesus isn't like trying to convince people to give or to be generous. Here, Jesus is simply stating a fact of how the world he created works. In this world, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And one of the, the, the great honors I have as, as a pastor of the church is to be a representative of the church. A lot of times when we're giving. And so a while back, we were doing an outreach at the Extended Stay Motel near here and building relationships with people. And a few weeks later, one of the guys called and said, hey, my mom passed away. And would the church be willing to, to help out a little bit so we can, we can buy a casket? And I was able, through your generosity, to, to, to present him with some resources to help him with his mother's funeral. And it was a blessing, right? It was a blessing to give. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it's not only Christians who you see believing this and living this out. I mean, now there's the movement among the ultra wealthy to do what? To give away 
a lot of their money because they have found this to be true as well. And then you have another teaching. You Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's more great wisdom. I mean, here he does give some commands. He says, don't, don't store up stuff here. Fact, he says, because there's thieves, stuff rots, it'll rust, it'll ultimately fade away. And he says, do store up treasures in heaven. Invest in eternal things, things relating with the kingdom of God, because those will last forever. And then I love this. Uh, if you look at verse 21, it's just a statement of fact. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is just saying like, this is how the world I created works. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he paraphrases it this way. He says, where you put your resources is where you put your heart. And so if you put your, your, your money, your energy, your time to, to, to stuff in this world, well then, don't be surprised when, when your heart is drawn in that direction. And the opposite is true too. When you're investing in kingdom things, don't be surprised when your heart is drawn to the king. And then here's one more statement from Jesus about stuff when a man comes to him with a financial question. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. I love that last line there. I mean, this is another. Jesus is just saying, this is how the world works. In this world, life, the abundant life that he has come to offer us Contentment in life. He's saying life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Accumulation of all this stuff isn't going to lead to a fulfilled, abundant life in this world. And now some of you wish you had the chance to test this out, right? Like you, you wish you could really test them here. But, but a lot of us have tested. Like we've bought stuff, we've invested in stuff, and we've seen that ultimately it doesn't always lead to, to more happiness and more contentment in life. And so, so if Jesus is right, that life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions, if Jesus is right and the advertisers are wrong, the question is, where does true contentment come from? Where does true contentment come from? And I, I think the Apostle Paul, he puts it very clearly and very plainly. And he, he's someone who is speaking with credibility because in his letter to the Philippians, he is writing from prison somewhere where he can't accumulate a lot of stuff. And in Philippians chapter 4, he says this. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content any and every circumstance, he says. And I looked up content this week. Here, here's the definition I had. An attitude, state of being that's free from worry, discomfort, hurrying, or restlessness. Being in a place of peace with what we have, who we are, and where we are in this world. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. And we know he has credibility because of where he's writing from and how he's experienced all these things. And here's what he says, verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Right? Some of you, you grew up quoting Philippians 4.13 at like your basketball tournament. Like, I can do all things through Christ. Like, I can dunk on this goal even though I'm three foot tall. Like, that's not what Paul's talking about here. If you look at the context, he's saying, I can do all this. I can be content in any and every situation. I can be content in any and every situation through him who gives me strength. And so what Paul is telling the church in Philippi, what he's telling you and me, is that contentment comes from Christ, not from accumulation. Contentment comes from Christ, not from accumulation. And, and this week, honestly, I've, I've, I haven't done it yet, but I might need to. Like, I want to print that out and put it above my computer screen so that every time I go on Amazon, I can remember that. <laughs> Contentment comes from Christ, not from accumulation. And I need to do this disclaimer because I thought about it this morning. Husbands, children, don't use this sermon as an excuse not to do something for the mothers in your life, Okay. Don't say you need to just be content with Christ today. I'm not getting you anything or doing anything for you, okay? That's not what I'm saying here. But contentment comes from Christ, not from accumulation. Like if we want to be content and experience that, that rest, that peace that Jesus offers us in life, it comes from Jesus Christ. And that, that begins when we have a relationship with him, when we believe in him, that he is who he said he was. That he walked on this earth and that he was a great teacher, but he not only was a great teacher, he died a sacrificial death for our sins and he rose again on the third day. It's believing in Jesus Christ for our significance, for our security, for our salvation. It's, it's believing in him. That's where contentment begins. And if you've never experienced that kind of deep contentment in your life and you feel like there's a constant restlessness. I would love to talk with you. We would love to talk with you in this church about having that relationship with Jesus Christ so you can experience that contentment. But if you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, you know this, that there are people, there are advertisers, there is an enemy. There are so many people and things trying to steal our contentment. And so it begins with faith in Christ, but, but there are ways that, that we can grow in contentment. And we, we talked a couple weeks ago about one practice we can do, silence and solitude. That when we take time to, to get away from all the voices in this world and spend time with Jesus and listen to him, then our contentment, our rest, our happiness in life grows. And then last week we talked about uh, the Sabbath. Having a day of the week where we honor God and we, we rest and we worship and, and, and Sabbath, if you begin living out that rhythm in your life, is another way that contentment begins to grow. Contentment is cultivated through that practice. And this morning, I want to introduce another practice to you. A practice I think that can help, help shift our focus from, from stuff to our Savior. A practice that can help us find our contentment in Jesus Christ and it is the practice of simplicity. The practice of simplicity and now I, I'm speaking as a, as a fellow traveler 
with you this morning because my wife will just shake her head at you that I'm not that uh, simple of a person. But here's what simplicity is. John Mark Comer defines it this way. Living with less so you have more room for what matters most. Simplicity is living with less so you have more room in your life for what matters most. And if you think about this idea of simplicity, I mean, this might not be like a Christian practice you've ever thought of, but if you think about Jesus' life, he lived this out. I mean, Jesus didn't have like all these pods following him with all of his stuff as he was living in this world or like U-Haul trucks as he traveled from place to place. Jesus wasn't living a crazy busy life that was packed to the gills with his schedule. No, Jesus lived with less in his life so he had room for what mattered most. And he tells us what matters most when people were trying to complicate everything. He said, what matters most? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so this practice of simplicity is, is choosing as a person of faith to live with less so that we have more room in our lives to focus on our relationship with God and our relationship with other people that he's placed into our lives. And, and, and it might sound easy, but like this is, a, this is kind of a tough thing to live out. But I think, I think there are some key spaces in our lives where we can begin to do this if you're, if you're willing to take up the challenge to live a more simple life. And I would say those places are our homes, our bank accounts, and our calendars. And so if you think about your home, most of us in this room, not everybody, I'm not speaking about basic necessities or anything like that, but most of us in this room would say, we have too much stuff. Amen? Any amens? Okay. If you've moved lately, you know this, right? When you move, you begin to realize it. And I don't know if you've ever made this connection that, that like stuff in our lives begets stuff. It's like a boat is a perfect example of this. If you've ever had a boat, you know, you have a boat, well, then you have to get a dock. Then you have to get a lake house or a trailer. And then the boat's always breaking, so you have to spend a lot of time and money on that. And, and like, it, it, it seems like, okay, this is just a single investment, but it actually ends up being something bigger. And that's the way pretty much all of our possessions are in our lives. Like, the more stuff we have, the more, the more time we have to go to organize all of our stuff, and the money we have to spend buying boxes to organize all our stuff, and, and the more energy it takes. And, and so a lot of times, just having more stuff in our lives steals our sense of peace and makes us more busy and more in a hurry. And so I would challenge you this week to simply look at your home and say, hey, how could I simplify things in my house? And I'm, I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to go in my closet. Closet's a great place to start. And I'm going to go and I'm going to have four piles. I'm going to have a giveaway pile, a trash pile, because not every church and nonprofit wants your trash. I'm just, just say that. A keep pile, and then a weight pile. Like, I'm not sure if I'll ever fit in this, but I'm, I'm, asked, I'm aspiring to it, okay? You know, like, I'm going to keep it, and then maybe I'll get rid of it in the future. But, like, that's what I'm going to do this week, to just start with my closet. And if you've ever done this, you know, like, I, I used to do this regularly when I moved. Like, you know that when you begin to simplify things in your home, you begin to breathe a little bit easier. You begin to breathe a little bit easier and relax a little bit more. And what's interesting in Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus' teachings on money, immediately following them are his teachings on worry. As Jesus is talking about money and stuff and possessions, right after that, he starts talking about do not worry about all of these things because Jesus knows in our life, a lot of times our stuff 
leads us to worry. And so I would say your home is a great place to start. And then I, I would say your bank account. Because, I mean, for a lot of people, this is, this is a very stressful area of their lives. And I would say, just, just look at it this week and say, hey, how could I live with less so that I have room for what matters most? And, and I did that this week. I, I saw some subscriptions that I could easily cancel, renegotiated some of my insurance stuff, got a lower rate there, just revisited things. And so now, okay, there's a little more margin, a little more room to give more to, to people in need, to focus on things that matter the most. And, and, and so that's an area of your life. And then there's, there's your, your time. I mean, in this series, we've been talking about how as we're, as we're coming out of the pandemic, like a lot of us, we don't want to go back to the old way of life. We don't want to go back to our old calendar and our old schedule with all this, this stuff that we weren't even that interested in. And so I would say, during this season, evaluate stuff before you put it on your calendar. And live with less on your calendar so that you can give more to what matters most. And so, you know, if you need to cut out some stuff in the evening, some Netflix or whatever, if there's something you take your kids to, they hate it, you hate it, don't do it. Begin to live with less on your calendar because it's, it's when we have more margin in all of these areas of our lives that we're able to love God and love other people with more ease. We're able to experience that rest that he desires to give us. And this week I've been, I've been thinking about all this and, and my mom and Mother's Day. And, and I was thinking, you know, this is interesting, but maybe not interesting or surprising. When I think about my childhood, I was a third kid and I was a very whiny kid. And so when we went to the store, I would always be begging my mom for stuff. For a quarter for the gumball machine and, you know, go to Target and Toys R Us. And, and you know, sometimes she would relent. She's watching online. Sometimes she would relent and she would get me this stuff. But you know what? I, when I think back to my childhood, I don't remember any of that stuff. I don't remember any of the stuff she got me after I begged her for it. Instead, what I remember, what I'm grateful for, are things like my mom sacrificing other things she could be doing to lead my Cub Scout pack. Like, I got a picture here. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. That's fifth grade Jonathan. That haircut, though, you like it, and the husky, husky jean shorts. But like my mom, she was our Cub Scout leader, not just to me, but for, for other boys in the community. And she chose to do that with her time and to go camping with us and to have a lot of fun. I think about how my parents, they, they sacrificed, they, they could have done a lot of different things, but they sacrificed in different areas financially. They lived with less so that they could help fund me going on mission trips and the student camps and, and things like that. I think about how on Sundays, she made it a priority for our family to be in worship. You can't make your kids believe in Jesus, but, but you can put them in the presence of Jesus. And that's, that's what she did week after week. She made room in my life and my brother's lives for the things that mattered most. And that's what simplicity is all about. And it's going to look different for each and every one of us. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a long prescription here this, this morning. But, but this week, as you're tempted 
to think if I just had this, it'd be enough. If I, if I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had this, I'd be content. Remember that contentment comes from Christ. And I wanna challenge you to live with less so that you have more room for what matters most. And so I wanna, I wanna pray this morning and ask God to empower us to do this because it is so, so hard in our culture. God, we need you. We need you for salvation. We need you for forgiveness of our sins. We need you because honestly, we are, we are lost without you. And so we thank you for your loving presence in each and every one of our lives. We thank you for the wisdom that we have through the Holy Scriptures that you've given to us. God, we thank you for the, the, the stuff in our lives, for, for the good gifts, because we recognize that every good gift comes from above. And so, God, we, we thank you for these things. We pray that you would help us to be good stewards with our stuff, with our time, with our money, and with our energy. But, God, we also pray that, that you would help us push back against the lies that advertisers try to sell to us. We pray that you would help us be content and to rest in you and that you would give us the courage to live more simply, to make space for others in our lives, to make more space for you. And so God, we pray that as we make that space that you would fill us, you would fill us to overflowing with your love, with your joy, with your peace and with your spirit. And we ask all of these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing our closing song with us?